0: in the carpool lane. I know you're waiting for the podcast to start, but first, can we talk about that car? It's time for an upgrade, and we know the best place to buy it. Vandergriff Toyota, Honda, and Acura. You'll get a great deal on a dependable new or pre-owned family car and the best price for your trade. For more than 20 years, Vandergriff has attracted customers from across Texas with their award-winning service and exceptional selection. Plus, you can feel great about your purchase knowing Vandergriff supports local schools and charities with thousands of dollars in donations. Come for the sale. Stay for the service first-class service only from vandergriff now pull up would you you're holding up the line
1: Is no gifts, please. The parenting podcast by the pair with no real gifts, but a whole lot of gumption. Hey everyone, I'm Steve Noviello.
2: And I'm Jenny Ann Chondo. So I'm, excited to have everybody here. You know,
1: I'm excited for today's show because again, the, the point of us getting together and doing this podcast has really always been from the point of being of service yep. to other people. And one of the ways that we hope to do that with you folks is we ask, I mean, I'm, I've am i got people at birthday parties in the carpool lane and I always ask <laughs> them, what do you want to hear us cover and by far the number one response I've yep. gotten is learning differences, ADHD. Um, you know, uh, all of the, those types, sensory. You know, issues. Are you hearing the same?
2: Same. Shout out to the Cougar Moms text group. Oh,
1: which is one is of them. group? That's one group? of my
2: mom text oh, groups.
1: Wow. <laughs> it I does love happen that. to be the
2: mascot of the school. Ours and is, I happen to be older than my husband. So I don't know. Are, but
1: um, yes. We have, we have Gay Dads Unite. Oh, There's I'm six not on gay that dads. one.
2: Yeah. So, well, maybe you know. play your cards right. You, know. you just you just might be. <laughs>
1: uh, but yeah, listen. Is as, it the
2: Reds at the Reds? I'm seeing a rainbow icon yeah. in there. Okay, obviously. Uh, come on.
1: You yeah. expect less? <laughs> of course it has an
2: icon of course we need it does to get, we like, have a branding
1: little... this merch it's a oh
2: whole, well it's a i whole need to get on thing. canva and make something speaking
1: fresh, of which okay but okay, well, let me tell you real quick before um we start i guess so doug we've talked about my husband's a bit yes. of an introvert so the other gay dads at school they were like hey we go to dinner on friday night at gloria's do you guys want to come and Looks i could like, just oh, see no. the, he's like oh god and i was like okay listen it's at 5 30 like that's like our kids are in class together right so the other two sets of gay dads have three kids each. Doug and I have two kids. It was a and a, kudos to Doug because we went and we had a great time. It was a table for fourteen. Oh,
2: so the kids attended eight
1: children, six adults. <laughs> I like this. It was the best.
2: My mom was just asking about Doug actually. Oh, really? Uh, because we were talking about my baby shower and we're just getting together. Like, is a is she close bringing friends. huckleberry
1: jam? Because um,
2: he. It's, it's be the only reason he would show up. Well, she was like. <laughs> She said, "Um, she said you told you mentioned Steve's coming. Is Doug coming?" And I was like, "Honestly, no. I am doing Doug. Like, here's my friendship to Doug: is knowing Doug well enough to know that Doug definitely doesn't want to go. I mean, most people honestly don't want to go to a baby shower. You probably don't want to go either. But (laughs) I do want to go. But, but like, he definitely doesn't. And it doesn't mean he doesn't like me. It doesn't mean he's not excited about our baby. Correct. It is who he is. You're gonna have fun, hang out with the girls. I mean, yeah, it'll be like you and Heath." but
1: exactly but
2: it's um you know my high school
1: girlfriend when we had our when we had jacob she sent a gift and i sent her no i said what is your address and she said oh no no like the other part of my gift is do not send me a thank you note
2: solid solid
1: right all right so speaking speaking of thank yous we have a big thank you for our guest today go ahead and introduce her
2: yes and listen pats ourselves on the back. We are getting some really great guests. Really so Carrie Wilmot is the an author, speaker, and pediatric occupational therapist. She's also the author of this book. It's called Wired Differently, A Teacher's Guide to Understanding Sensory Processing Challenges. So she's an expert in the Wonder app. She's a freelance expert to understood.org, which is a resource for uh, parents from you know children onto adulthood. So really, really, I feel like we're honing in On what everybody asked for, which is, you know, how do we navigate How do we navigate? And
1: and let me start with this question right here. So, and and really the title of your book speaks to it. Some people's brains are wired differently. Is that why it's so, my husband is ADHD and it's nearly impossible for me to understand that because my brain just doesn't work that way.
0: No, I completely agree. My husband and son both have ADHD and I do not. And so it is really, it's it's difficult when you don't necessarily understand what their brains are going through, just kind of in an everyday setting when they're asked to do what what might be perceived as just really simple things, right? Get through this routine. Let's just, you know, for kids, let's get your clothes on and go to school. And and they're not anywhere putting their clothes on <laughs> to be found, sure. you know. So it's a lot of times it's these daily routines that are happening that kids are really struggling with following through on and then they go to school right and so then there's a teacher who's asking them to do all these really difficult things and if it's hard for their their executive functions to work properly which is to you know make sense of all that information and follow all those sequences then you're going to get some pretty interesting behaviors that are probably going to come along in terms of that
2: well it's interesting because it's like the diagnosis obviously or, or 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 some sort of just classification or understanding it's for the child or for the or for the adult or whoever's receiving it however the benefit also comes to the people around them so they can start to learn and understand. I, I think what a lot of the parents in our realm, our kids are little, you know, young elementary school age, I think they're just wondering, when do you go in for testing? When is something an overtired child and when is a, a child that needs some better attention or some testing?
0: So that's kind of the hard part is that, you know, kids are able to pretty much make it generally through like preschool, right? You know, they're able to develop those skills and then kindergarten happens. And I don't know the kind of kindergarten that you went to, but the kind of kindergarten that I went to had still had a lot of play opportunities, right? You were there for a couple hours a day. You know, now kids that are in kindergarten, they're there all day, mm-hmm. you know. And, and when I first started working as an occupational therapist like 20 plus years ago, we had this – um When I would go test kids to see, like, whether they'd be eligible for OT or not, I would always ask them, because as therapists, we're looking at motor skills, how kids are able to hold their pencil, and I would ask them to write their name. The benchmark, then, developmentally, was that they write their first and last name in capital letters from a model, meaning they're copying it, by the end of kindergarten. Stop it. No. (gasps) No. So that right there, I feel like, is kind of like a big like, light bulb moment That's in made terms changed. of look at what the expectations are now. So I don't know what, you know, your kids are a little bit older. At, at three well, and a half, we were submitting for school. Yes, schools. I was going to say,
1: I remember you at, told us about private school. Yes,
0: and so we were in a
2: district where we were going to be looking for a private school opportunity. At three and a half, the, the, we had the benefit of finding out what was on you know, some of these private school tests because it was during the pandemic. So normally they take your child away and they ask them to do things. You don't know what it is. Um, that sounded really sinister. It's not that. It's just they have to do it in private. <laughs> but because of COVID, they had to have the parents record it on video. So Brighton's three, I mean, barely three and a half. And she had to write her first and last name. She had to write one through 10. She had to draw a person with all of the different appendages, label as many. And it wasn't that if you didn't do all these things, you wouldn't get in, but this is what's being asked of them. And so I started to ask early childhood, you know, providers, is this, is this normal? If she can't write her last name yet, she could write it, you know.
1: And you have a big last name too.
2: (laughs) 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 Well, Well, actually, no, she's the other one. (laughs) Your married
1: name, (laughs) But still
2: even Brighton. And, um, and they didn't indicate all upper and lower, but I, believe that it was understood that the first letter should be capitalized, the rest should be lower. So anyway,
0: it really sent me into a tizzy of wondering, is that what everybody else is doing? Yeah. And so there are kids that are able to do that, right? Because they've received the instruction. They're getting it in daycare. They're getting opportunities to do that. But developmentally, so the academic expectations and the curriculum expectations have changed, but developmentally, it has not. And so that's really the tricky part is kind of trying to figure out, you know, What's what's related to the curriculum and what might be something like a budding learning disability or something eventually like ADHD. And so what started happening is as I I was working in a preschool um, for a public school preschool in the northeast, and I was going in and out of daycare centers and preschool centers trying to figure out why kids were failing. These kids were being asked to leave. Find new daycares, find new preschool programs. Cause what was happening is, is they were exhibiting a lot of behaviors. They were having a hard time sitting on the carpet. They don't want to play with the play-doh. You know, they're, you know, they're really having a difficult time focusing and engaging as part of the classroom activity. Teachers are giving them something to write and they're like not wanting anything to do with it at all. And so then it becomes a well, is this a disability or is this, you know, related to like just curriculum. Mm -hmm. And what we were finding is, as we were taking these kids, thinking like maybe they have a disability, putting them in a different environment with a smaller number of kids, with a teacher who had a little bit more training in special education, and miraculously, they weren't struggling as much, right? And so we kind of found that changing the environment, giving kids more support and more structured learning opportunities was a way for them to be more productive and they just needed a little bit more time. And so I guess that's kind of the tricky part, you know, kind of to circle back to the question that you, that you had before is, you know, we're seeing these things happening sooner because the expectations are higher.
1: So are there any like hard and fast red flag moments? Like I know for us, our oldest who ended up being incredibly academic, but did not start talking until well after he was one. And I was getting really concerned about it. I thought maybe he was on the spectrum or there was some sort of additional resources I needed. And I remember somebody asked me, I think it was, does he point or something? There was something. And I, and I was like, Oh yeah. And they're like, you're fine. Don't, you know, don't worry oh, about it. So are there any, when we're dealing with things like ADHD, um, uh, Are there any hard and fast like, okay yes, the expectations are high, but here's a telltale sign that maybe you do need to double click on this?
0: Yeah, the expectations are high and they're really just kind of not you can't find ways to engage them. Right. You know, aside from and and this is what happens in school a lot. Here's your pencil. Here's your piece of paper. Let's do this kind of like. Boring educational task. That's usually when you kind of see it the most. But if these are kids who are like, you can engage them different ways while they're playing with toys, while they're you know doing other activities, and they're learning that information, then you just you've you've learned something valuable. They have the ability to learn, but they might need something a little bit different to learn that isn't just kind of this standard, boring right. way, right? They need to move. They need to be playing. They need to be using their hands, you know? And so then it becomes trying to figure out like, okay, maybe that's, you know, that's how they learn. How do we get that into their educational environment so that they aren't struggling as much mm-hmm. to sort of follow the context of the class?
1: Yeah. Like, I mean, we pick a different road to the same destination, essentially.
2: So I've been hearing a lot about the testing that can be done, and I'm sure there's a wide range of different tests that can be done. It sounds incredibly expensive, time intensive it's hard to navigate as a parent like which test do you get What do you recommend for a parent who's thinking, gosh, I think we've got to look a little bit further into this?
0: The first thing that you can do is just call your pediatrician. You know, um, there's there's sort of two ways to sort of arrive at a diagnosis. One is call the pediatrician and have that conversation. Gee, there's things that I, I, you know, I think they're struggling with. The teachers are calling. I'm getting some information and feedback that, you know, learning is really hard for them. What can I do? And so a pediatrician can then sort of help you, you know, get a sense of, where they're at and what that next level would be. You know, sometimes pediatricians are okay with, you know, getting enough information, making that diagnosis themselves. Other times they might say, hey, we want to send you to a psychologist or a neuropsychologist. And those doctors actually do a little bit more academic and developmental testing of their own. And they would give kids standardized tests, they observe them, um, and they do a lot more observation that can give you a lot more information about even not whether they have ADHD or another learning disability or not, but what's their learning style like? Mm -hmm. You know, Are they auditory learners? Are they visual learners? And so that's kind of the medical avenue where you would use your health insurance. The other way is a lot of parents will call the school district because if the school is the one that is telling you, hey, we have these concerns, then you can initiate testing through the public school system on your own. The only tricky part with that is... They can determine whether the child is, you know, struggling enough to need support at school. But those doctor, um, there aren't doc- they're not medical doctors, wow. right? So they can't necessarily give you this ADHD diagnosis. So you can get through all of that testing and, and still, still need to have go to go, go back to your opinion, pediatrician right. to to have them sign off on the fact that they actually might have that um, diagnosis or not. So in
1: preparing for the interview, one of the things that I was looking into and I was listening to a diagnostician talk about how. How parents receive the news or additional information that their kid may have a d h d really makes a huge difference, and he was saying that when he calls in you know parents of a nine year old to sit down with them, it's not a okay here he's like, "You know what? I've got really good news like your son has the brain of a ferrari it's a it it can do amazing things." We have difficulty with the breaks, though, so we need to kind of navigate that. How important is that to kind of set not only the child up, but everybody, their support system as well? How important is how we package the news?
0: For sure, it is definitely important. I think what we find now is that there's lots of adults who identify as knowing that they have ADHD. I, I look back and think, well, they're, you know, your, the educational system was a little bit different, so therefore, you know... People make it very far and can do all of these amazing things, and it wasn't an issue for them when they were younger, right? And so now it's just the system's changed a little, and you know these, these kids have superpowers that they need to sort of learn how to – um, they need to learn special skills, but they're going to be in that same place. And as kids get older, they learn to cope, right? And that's where a lot of this sensory self-regulation stuff comes in. As an adult, we're all sensory people. We all use sensory strategies to self-regulate. You might have fidget toys. You might click the end of your pencil. You know, <laughs> I'm doing both it as us. you notice. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So, you know, you have, <laughs> we you learn a little bit more about yourself. And then usually a lot of times as people get older, they find themselves in a career path or in a position to to do something for work that sort of fits that style. Embraces, right. Yeah, for sure. 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 For sure. What's
2: the next step after you have that conversation? We've got the Ferrari brain. We need a little work on the brakes. Is it a discussion about medication? Are you changing schools? Are you working with somebody
0: like you? What's that next step? I think, and that's where neuropsychologists are really great because they'll give you lots and lots and lots of recommendations. And they might, you know, there are some kids that need to work with an occupational therapist like myself. They might need help holding the pencil, learning how to, you know, form their letters correctly. We as OTs work a lot on self-regulation. We teach kids about emotions. We teach them about the activities in their day that help make them calm, the ones that help get them overexcited, how they can choose like, hey, when I'm feeling a little bit overwhelmed, I need to ask for a break. I need to go to that little quiet space over there and, you know, hang out with my fidget toys and and wait until I'm ready to come back. You know, so, um, you know, they they, maybe they need a speech therapist, you know, it's so it really Maybe they need a tutor, you know, maybe right. they need to find additional supports at school. So there are really lots of different avenues to explore. Um, sometimes kids need a, um, a counselor. They need to go through some actual therapy. They, there's family therapy, you know, for parents to kind of manage. Because some of these issues when kids are younger are hard, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's hard to get them through to the next level, um, but there's a ton of support and a lot of people out there that are are able to give kids the the skills that they need to move forward.
1: So let's talk to, about some takeaways because I always want to make sure I know that we both do when when folks are are tuning in and, and giving us their time that we want them to kind of walk away with maybe like a tangible list. Uh, and and the first thing that comes to mind, I think, is the after school routine. I know a lot of parents who yeah. have kids that have learning differences, particularly when it comes to ADHD. Look, these kids are wiped out. They've had a full day of a lot of you know, stuff coming at them. And and maybe the temper and the patience is a little short. So I see you nodding your head. So I'm assuming, you lay it on us. I mean, what yeah. what do you do?
0: Yeah, well, the first question is homework or no homework. I'm seeing a lot of districts now that actually at the younger level are moving away from yeah. no homework, which is not a bad thing, right? Because homework can be another trigger for these kids because they're a lot of times People weren't really paying attention to the kind of homework. Homework should be simple. It should be something that they've already kind of learned to work on mastery, not the the thing they didn't finish that they weren't paying attention to while they were in school earlier. So if kids don't have homework, then it opens up a little bit more of an opportunity, right, where that stress and that need um, for extra work when they come home isn't necessarily there. But for sure, when kids get home, you want to give them a break. Um, You know, give them 15, 20 minutes. If it's possible to let them play outside or something like physical that's what basically helps the brain to self-regulate. You know, we always recommend things like yoga, karate, swimming, you know, those kinds of after-school activities that really just get kids to use all their muscles so that they can, you know, get a lot of that energy out. Interesting. I'm, he- I'm so,
1: hearing not screen time.
0: Yeah, and not chess, which is what Brighton does after school a couple of days a week. So, yeah, you the, the know. screen time is hard because the, that's all how a lot of these kids really do self-regulate. Right. You know, they, they really they, they chill an out iPad. and they unwind, but getting them back out of the screen time the things that need to occur after it is the tricky part so that's usually if there is homework where i would say like hold off on the screen time kind of as long as possible mm-hmm. but then then it becomes a tricky time frame like you don't want it too close to bed right because then sure. at some point you got to turn that off and kids need to be able to fall asleep okay okay uh, good you've got us sort of re-regulating a little bit yeah. uh,
2: when it comes to those routines regimens etc Is there a morning version of this? Is there a we're setting them up in the right way in the morning?
0: Yeah, you definitely want to have structure and routine and kids like visuals. So um, there's lots of visuals you can find online that just has like the order of what your morning routine is. And And it can even be routines within a routine. Like sometimes as an OT, I create like the steps on a chart for kids like how to brush their teeth. Like there's a little picture of the, you know, the toothpaste and the toothbrush and, you know, their teeth and what they need to do to get through that process. Or there's a checklist of like shirt, pants, socks, shoes, you know, whatever they need to actually get themselves dressed. But but visuals in themselves are just a, a great way to remind kids what the steps are and that if they're kind of coming to you like, what do I, do? you know, usually they're they're doing something that involves what they want to do. And parents <laughs> are chasing them around the house trying to figure out like, we got to get to this next next step, sure. right? But it allows something between you and them because, you know, then you can say, well, you know, refer to the chart, chart, what comes next, what comes next. And it's not you like you need to do this now, you know?
1: So final question for you, because I think that that's sometimes a a point of uh, confusion for, for folks. So when we're dealing with a kid who, who might have difficulty kind of focusing their energy do they thrive in routine or is that kind of too much forced like hey you must do X y and Z and, and you're not going to thrive in that situation
0: no they thrive on thru- on structure and, structure and routine you know and predictability you know and it's it's not fun for them you know they it's don't always want to do all these things <laughs> you know but the goal is is to kind of get it to a point where it becomes just automatic um but but the routines are what helps them get there if if every single time you ask them to do the same thing and you're asking them a different way then it's really Hard for them to sort of like just get that routine down and predict what's next. So you know, being structured about how you ask, what you do, the order that you do things in. And, you know, we all kind of like rewards, right? You know, having incentives for things. I'm not saying you need to, you know, promise a trip to Disney World in order, you know, my son one time asked if he did his homework for a week would be put in a swimming pool. And I was like, uh <laughs> no, <laughs> <Nice try. laughs> you know, but you, you know, but there are ways that you can build in incentives that kids enjoy, like an extra game, an extra book, yeah. you know, like what, whatever it is, you know, extra time with you, you know, that's really kind of ways for them to be motivated in order to get through those.
1: All right. I wish we had more time with you, but we do have to wrap things up. Real quick, tell folks where they can find you, where they can find the book, where they can learn more.
0: Yeah, the book's on Amazon, uh, Wire Differently, A Teacher's Guide to Sensory Processing Challenges, so they can find that there. You know, and don't let the title scare you for teachers. You know, you know it's got great ideas for parents and new therapists, and when you're done with it, find a teacher who can benefit <laughs> from it. Um, I'm on Instagram as uh, at Carrie Under- underscore wilmot it's k-e-r-i-w-i-l-m-o-t
1: nice awesome and i do want to give Carrie. a shout out to your instagram you just came back from the toy show in germany and found really cool kind of sensory sensitive things oh, very parents. Cool. yeah definitely want to want to check that out okay Maybe so i can have can to follow. say yes. i mean i this is the second person we've had in less than a month that have talked to us about lists for ki- visual lists visual cues for kids do you do it
2: we don't know, no. But Brighton also follows a routine pretty.
1: Okay, this kid never gets well, sick. She follows a routine. She eats anything. You well, when put in she front was three and a half, she couldn't wait. write her last name. So. I not <laughs> wait for baby number two. I, I know. I, mean, no, I just can't trust wait. Me, and
2: I, I make no claims. <laughs> I'm not the one that's like, well, if you would just feed your kids what you eat, maybe it. I, I am not that parent. I am not the. <laughs> I, I realize some people are just made in a certain way, right? And some people are made in a different way. My husband's the one who needs the routine. Well, you know, and, you know, uh, it's and had and, and, and dealt with these things. And I just think back and I wonder he was labeled, you know, they're late. I think the biggest danger with this is people being labeled as a bad kid. Right. And, yes. and that, it just like hurts my heart. Luckily he's so confident. Right. It never hurt him. Yeah. I don't think, but for most people, like getting that early label of like always having to talk to the teacher or, you mm-hmm. know, this child's misbehaving, they pick up on that. And I think that just the psychological component of that might be a, entirely different episode because well, I just I want I just hate for anybody so small to hear that well and that. again
1: the, I think that we've come a long way there's a difference between saying to somebody hey you're different and you need extra attention and hey you've got a Ferrari for a brain which I think is is a much probably better way yes. to put that but I think that we all thrive on I mean when I I I love a list I love a list, and I put I put make a list at the top of the list, so I can just put done next to it. Oh,
2: that's you! <laughs> <laughs> that, here he is, everybody. <laughs> I, I know that those people are I mean, out there.
1: Dry cleaning. I mean, everything. Go yeah. to the store. Get the. You know, like I love the accomplishment of a list, and in my mind, I really would love. I it was, Julie Cole, who we who we yes. had on, who talked about you know the chart and moving the magnets over mm-hmm. for accomplishing. I I know Jacob would be like, I mean, mesmerized by by such a thing. Hudson, you know, well, well, the jury might be out there. But who knows? Maybe, you know, I think he might like a list.
2: Hey, podcast check. Check this baby (laughs) off. We did it. We made it through another round.
1: today, right? Meet Jenny, podcast, check. Okay, we want you to check off your list uh, to like and subscribe and of course continue to listen. We cannot do it without you and what a fun time we're having uh, on this new project. So we do appreciate all of you listening, tuning in. We do talk about visuals sometimes so we do want to remind you, of course you can listen to us but you could also watch us on YouTube. So go ahead and click that subscribe button and if you do nothing else today, go find yourself a friend you don't need to clean the house for. We'll see you next time.